All right, let's jump in. Uh, Exodus series part three, and I'll take you back for just a minute. If you have your sermon notes with you, I hope you do. If you do not have sermon notes with you, lift your hand in the air, and one of our amazing serve team members will come by and bring it to you. Just keep your hand up, and someone will see you eventually and bring you, a, hopefully, a fill in the blanks so you can follow along with us today. Part one, freedom begins with an honest admittance to God, I need your help. And I talked to you about this in part one, just the ideas of saying that freedom always begins with I need help. And telling God I need help, telling someone else I need help, which is why we do groups, by the way. I know Nancy mentioned groups, but groups are really, really important and as we grow in our relationship with the Lord. And so I want to encourage you to be a part of a group because groups are a great spot to not only tell the, you know, we tell the Lord I need your help, but to tell somebody else, hey, I need your help. I could use your help with something. And that's where freedom begins with the statement, I need your help. Um, by the way, I went to a, um, a lunch kind of gathering this week, was invited to it with a local organization that deals with uh, women who have been sold into uh, sex slavery, and, um, and so I'm sure we're going to partner with this uh, particular organization coming soon, um, and I'll fill you in about that at a later time. But one of the statements, they had a particular lady up, come up front and share her testimony of being a part of this, uh, this whole organization and how it saved her life and all of that. And one of the statements she said um, in the, her little kind of talk was um, it all began with her essentially making the declaration, I need somebody's help. I've got to have help. So she goes, she kind of checks herself into this thing and goes a part of this process and her whole life has changed. And it was just a great testimony of how freedom begins, just I need help. And so um, anyways, part two, I talked to you about uh, being free isn't about doing what you want. It's about being who you were made to be. And that's so important. I could preach a whole nother message on that right there. And that, there's so much content that goes into that. About being free is about who you were made to be, not just doing what you want to do. Freedom is not doing what you want to do, by the way. That, that's, that's actually a slave to your flesh. Which Scripture clearly talks about that freedom is not craving or giving into the desires of the flesh, but rather it is free to follow the spirit of God that resides inside of you. That's true freedom. So I wrote this down that true freedom is not serving the desires of the flesh, but rather serving the desires of the spirit of God. Do you hear me, church? That's so important that you understand that, that freedom is not about doing what you want, where you want, when you want, how you want. No, that's slavery to your flesh. In the fall, in Genesis chapter 3, and uh, now I'm about to preach a whole other message, so here I go. Hold on. But Genesis chapter 3, when Adam and Eve fell in sin, this is true that it brought insecurity in the relationship between humanity and God. And from that moment on, humans began to do something. They began to take on a very sinful nature. They began to be self-serving instead of God-serving. Self-glorifying instead of God-glorifying. The purpose of humanity is to glorify God and to bring glory to him. The word glory is Hebrew for magnify, to magnify him in all we say and all we do, that it's about him and it's not about us. But the moment sin enters in, humans began to be self-serving and self-glorifying. 
And I'm just letting you know that anytime we think that it's about the self and the desires of what we want, that's not freedom. Freedom is really operating in who Christ called and made us to be. All right, I've got to stop preaching on that because I'm serious. I, I will get lost in that right now. But true freedom is not serving the desires of the flesh, rather serving the desires of the spirit. Being free isn't about doing what you want. It's about being who you were made to be. Watch this. Originally. Originally. Prior to sin. The righteousness of God. Amen. All right. I titled today's message, Freedom Requires River Crossings. Oh, my gosh. How many are excited about this message? How many of you have no idea why I just asked that question? I mean, you're confused. Okay, amen, a couple of you. <laughs> Freedom requires river crossings. A couple of years ago, me and my wife went on a hike. We go hiking together, oftentimes when we're up in the mountains. and uh, We went on this hike and we're on this trail and this path and then there was a creek below. And so we uh, decided, me and my wife said, let's get off of the path and let's go you know, take the, the, the wetter route and let's take the creek. Come on, it'll be fun. And we had all of our kids with us, so all four kids. And, uh, and so we're going like, to go across this reek. And so, of course, my son, the oldest son, Sam, he's like pumped. He's like ready to jump the whole thing, and he doesn't care if he gets wet. And then uh, our oldest daughter is a little more timid. And then our third child, our Emery, our second daughter, is uh, a little more timid, you know, and a little more nervous. And so we're having to walk across some rocks. And I'm telling you, the creek wasn't more than five feet wide. Okay, so it wasn't massive. But, you know, a couple of slippery rocks that you had to be a little careful on. And so we decided to take this route, and we go this route, and they're, why are we doing this? Why can't we stay on the path? Like this whole debate. And, and then me and my wife just said, well, because we're a little more adventurous, you know? Like, we could take the easy path, but this is like the more fun path. Let's do this. And there's nothing, by the way, crazy happened. That's it. We crossed the river. We got some rocks from it. So the reason I'm telling you that is because I want you to write this down as we begin this sermon today. Key truth. In life, the easy way isn't always the most fruitful way. And we wanted to teach that lesson right then to our kids. That's the blessing of being married and the father uh, who's a pastor always trying to teach a biblical principle. That the easy way isn't always the most fruitful way. How many of you know that God wants to produce fruit in your life? Patience, peace, love, joy, kindness, goodness, right? Self-control. And God is so about developing our character and shaping our character that he will often send you through a difficult route to shape your character. The easy route is not always what's best or the most fruitful way. And so we took our kids on this path. We're going to see this play out today. So Israel, picking up in the story, Israel's on their way out from Egypt. Ten plagues come in. God has defeated the gods of Egypt. He's declaring who he is to the gods of Egypt, the demonic forces of hell operating behind these gods and the culture of Egypt. Israel has bought into the lie. Do we remember this? Yes. I see your wonderful faces shaking your head. Yes. Amen. Um, 
And so God is trying to set this people free, not just so they can have land and prosperity and success. What's he trying to set them free of, church? Come on. Slavery to what, though? To the culture and the environment that they're in. They think money is going to bring them happiness. They think that, that, that life is all about glory and fame and riches and all these things. And, and God is trying to remove them and reveal himself to this nation of people. He wants them to be free to really come to know who he is and the kind of God that he is. And so he uh, allows these ten plagues to happen. He causes these ten plagues. He sets them free. And now they're on their way uh, to this promised land. And we'll put a map up on the screen just to show you. The most traditional route, the very top of the screen, you, you can make it out. It's probably hard for you to. It's called the Way of the Philistines. And it's here at the very, very top, top black line, the Way of the Philistines. Uh, they're, they're currently here in Ramses, and then they're, they're going to make their path. The red line is where they end up going. But the black line at the very top is where they're trying to get to near the area of Gaza. The total distance is about 150 miles a typical scenario, it would take about 10 days to get there. But with all the kids and all the things that they're having to carry, maybe two weeks. So this nation is about two weeks out on a journey of getting to where God is trying to lead them and take them. It's the obvious choice, the obvious route. But many of us know that God elects to go a different route. And I'll show it to you why that is in Exodus 13, 17 through 18. When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them on the road through the Philistine country, though it was a shorter route. For God said if they face war, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So God led the people round by the desert toward the Red Sea. Israelites went up out of Egypt ready for battle. It's interesting to me. A couple thoughts there. Leave that verse up for just a moment. I want to unpack this verse to you. The Philistines uh, are there along that path, and so there's concern that war could break out with their new neighbors, and that wouldn't be smart. And so God says, I've got to send you to another route. There's one belief, and it certainly seems right and certainly true, that maybe it was that God was protecting them because they just weren't ready yet. That God won't give you something that, you know, you can't handle. Or, and then there's probably some truth to that. Because he clearly states in somewhere in there, if, if you do go into these battles, you'll change your minds and you'll want to run back to where you were. And so you're just not ready for that yet. I think in some way, God's sovereign protection is watching over them. But I think there's something even a little deeper, I guess, if you would, or maybe even a greater lesson, if you would, that's happening here. Remember, God has just defeated the Egyptians. I mean, God has just done an amazing work up against a powerful, powerful, powerful nation. Egypt was 100 times stronger than the Philistines were. So why, why is God so concerned? I mean, it seems to me that God is saying, I'm concerned about, you know, you, you're not ready yet. But, and, and it might be true. But it also seems to me at the same time that God could do whatever he wants in the moment. And, and he doesn't even need necessarily their involvement to cause something to happen to the Philistines. So why is he so nervous about the Philistines? He just destroyed Egypt, like with the plagues and stuff. Like, he's got so much power. And the reason is, although God could have destroyed the Philistines, of course, he could have done whatever he wanted to the Philistines and part of the ways and make a very easy route, but he had to do something. He had to shape a partner. He was electing to choose a nation of people, people just like you and me. He was electing to choose people to be his representative. 
And so he decides to lead them by the sea. If you would show the map again for just a moment. And there's not really a really clear uh, spot where people, you know, they, where, do we, where do they cross the Red Sea? We don't really know exactly, but somewhere here in the Gulf of Suez, whether it's in the northern side, was it a little bitty lake, one of these lakes? There's a lot of debate on exactly where it is, and no one really knows exactly the exact spot, uh, but there's some debate on that. Either way, they, they do have to cross a body of water. So God is shaping this people, and I want you to think about the, the wise choice if you're on the run is to run into the desert because sure enough, the Egyptians aren't going to follow you to the desert because there's no water, there's no food. This is going to be really hard. They're not going to follow us into the desert. But God says, no, I'm going to put you by a body of water, which is like the worst place to go if you're trapped, right? Because it kind of puts you in a position of vulnerability. God will often put you in a position of vulnerability when he's trying to shape and develop your character. So he chooses this nation, and he puts them next to a body of water. That's the whole point of this message today. On your journey to freedom, there will be river crossings. There's a quote by C.S. Lewis. He said, the blows of his chisel, which hurt us so much, are what make us perfect. You ever been chiseled by God? No? No? That is incredible. Anyone ever been chiseled by God? If you've never been chiseled, you're going to get chiseled today. Some of you texted me throughout the week and you told me, bring the fire, so I'm about to bring the heat. Don't get mad at me, okay? I got all the text to prove it in the emails. Bring the fire. Okay, it's going to get hot. You ready? God is not afraid to chisel you. If I took a chisel to your flesh, it would not feel good. God has to chisel the nation. And I thought about bringing a hammer and a chisel so you could hear the sound. I just want you to think about it. Just chisel you. On your journey to freedom, God wants to chisel you. And so he sends them to the edge of a sea where they're trapped. Chiseling doesn't feel good, but the payoff is worth it because there's freedom on the other side. And God is trying to shape and teach a nation this truth. Here's the truth. Write it down. Israel was not only to carry the message, they were to be the message. The followers of God, that God was revealing himself to, I will be your people, I'll be your God, and you will be my people. I'll be your God, you'll be my people. I'm not just trying to, re- to tell you who I am so you can go tell someone else. It's a much, much higher thing than that. I want you to be the message. I want you to live like me. I want you to represent people like me, to the people around you. I want you to love your neighbor as yourself. I want you to put others first. I want you to put the clothes back on others before you have the shirt yourself. If it's in your hand, give it to them. Turn the cheek. Like, chisel. Because I want you to be the message to people, to your neighborhood, to your coworkers, 
how you lead people, how you parent. I want you to be the message. When people see you in community, I want them to see me. And to do that, he's got to chisel them. And so he starts the process of this chiseling. And he starts by sending them next to a body of water. Exodus 13, 21. By day, the Lord went ahead of them, a pillar of cloud to guide them on their way by night, a pillar of fire to give them light. So they could travel by day or night. Sounds like a run. Anyways, okay. Neither the pillar of cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by night left its place in front of the people. The first responsibility. I'm going to give you three responsibilities today. Did you know that you have a responsibility in your journey to freedom? Okay, I'm like, did you hear what I said? My glasses are a little foggy, so I'm just, I don't know, I don't know if you heard me. You have a responsibility, so do I, in our journey to freedom. And I want to give you three of them today. And here's the first responsibility that's on you, and it's not on me. It's on you. Write it down. Follow the Lord. That is your responsibility to follow, and no one else's. How many feel a little chiseled right now? Listen, follow the Lord. Follow him. That's your responsibility on the journey to freedom and mine too. Follow the Lord. The very first thing that he made the Israelites do on their journey to freedom after they cried out to him was, okay, you ready? Follow me. Cloud by day, fire at night. Follow me every minute of your life. Follow me. How many of you in this room have found it easy to follow Jesus, no hands. See, I told you. Talk to any Christian who served God for any period of time, and they will tell you following Jesus isn't always easy. It's worth it, but it's not always easy. And so the journey begins to freedom, and to do that, they've got to follow the Lord. Proverbs 3, 5 Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Oh, I love this because this is like on every sign in every Christian bookstore. And I know some of you love this verse. It's your life verse. I don't even know why because it's one of the most difficult verses in all of Scripture. Listen to this. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do and he will show you which path to take. The reason why I don't like this verse, did you read after the very first verse 5? Do not depend on your own understanding. How many of you like to understand what you're doing before you do it? See? Then this is not, this is not your life verse. <laughs> this is the verse you're like, I don't want to learn about that one right now. I want God to show me the way and very clearly tell me what the result is going to be so I know whether or not I should do it. Do not depend on your own understanding. Follow the Lord. Exodus 14, 9 continues. It says, the Egyptians... All Pharaoh's horses and chariots, horsemen and troops, pursued the Israelites, overtook them as they camped by the sea. Say, by the sea. And they were by the sea. At Pi Hiroth, opposite of Baal Zephon, 
As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up, and there were the Egyptians marching after them, and they were terrified, and they cried out to the Lord. Do you remember when these, Egypt, when these Israelites first cried out to the Lord? Do you remember the text? We read this in part one. They cried out, the text says, and then the Lord heard them. But the text did not say they cried out to anyone. But now they're crying out to the Lord. I need you to see the difference. That's an important difference to make. They've seen God set them free from Egypt, and now they're at the sea, and this time they cry out to the Lord. Something in their hearts is changing. It's the Hebrew term zehakah. It's the same term they used, but this time it's to cry out, but this time they zehakah to God. When they started the story, they just cried out. And God in his mercy heard it, but now they're crying out to the Lord. And they're standing at the edge of water. Just imagine standing there trapped as you hear hundreds and hundreds of chariots and horses thundering, coming after you. And it's nighttime, and you've got a little campfire going on, and you hear the thunder coming towards you. And they begin to wonder, of course, in their fear, did we make the right choice? Write this down. On your journey to freedom, there will be moments where you wonder if you made the right choice. I want to set you free and help you understand that. As you step into a relationship with God, follow God, follow his plans for your life, jump into what he wills for your life and not what you will for your life, there will be moments where you wonder if you made the right choice. Because part of that human thing that I talked about in us is the insecurity. When sin came into the world, insecurity entered the human heart. The reason we struggle with insecurity is because of the fall of humanity. Insecure is to be lacking of confidence in who God is. I am insecure. I have no security. Where is my security? And so there's insecurity. And God is trying to heal the soul of your insecurity. That is your lack in confidence of who God is and what he's going to accomplish for you and through you. So he wants to heal the insecurity. So in order to heal the insecurity, he's got to put you in an insecure situation so you can depend upon his security so you can learn who he is. And then he delivers it. And then we get to another insecure moment, and then we wonder if he's going to come through again. And again and again and again, we deal with our insecurities. He's trying to chisel, getting that insecurity out of you. So he puts them by a sea to do so. I'm going to preach for two hours today. I can already feel it. Um, I won't. Okay. Did I make the right choice? You will, you will wonder on this journey, did I make the right choice? You are not alone. You will wonder, did I make the right choice? Is following Jesus worth it? And let me tell you now, yes. 
God is good. Key truth. This is a free one. I'll move off of it really fast. True faith depends on what God says, not on what we see or feel. Can I just tell you, don't always go by your feelings. Your feelings are not always true. They are true feelings, but they're not always true. So, you know, the scripture says, if you want to know how I know that, what, what does scripture say? Scripture says that the heart is deceitful. So at its very core, your heart is deceiving. Never follow your heart. Your heart is the most misleading thing that you have in you. Follow your heart. I'm here to tell you, don't ever follow your heart. Your heart will jack you up. Come on, all the parents who have kids in high school and middle school right now, say amen. Don't follow your heart. Don't do what your heart thinks or what your heart feels. Follow Jesus. Don't follow your heart. It's a whole nother sermon. So they cry out, Exodus, all right, 14, 16. God tells Moses, watch what he says. Raise your staff. Remember what Pharaoh carried in his hand? All right. Raise your staff. I'm trying to declare something to the gods that are operating behind this culture. I've got something to say to all the demonic forces of hell. Raise your staff. Stretch out your hand over the sea to divide the water so that the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. Well, verse 21, Moses does it. Oh, he followed. He followed. All right, the leader follows. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. All the night, it says, all that night, the Lord drove the sea back with a strong east wind, and it turned into dry land. The waters were divided. Verse 22, and the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with a, wall, with a wall of water on their right and on their left. I love Psalm 77. It gives a great picture of this. Look at Psalm 77, verses 16. It says, when the Red Sea saw you, O God, its waters looked and trembled. The sea quaked to its very depths. The clouds poured down rain. The thunder rumbled in the sky. Your arrows of lightning flashed. Are you picturing the story? So it's not only like we always thought this picture of this glorious body of water just parted to the waves and the sun and rainbow is all coming. And yet the people actually were at night in a lightning storm. So not only are we trying to cross a body of water with water on each side, it's raining, it's lightning, and it's thundering and it's nighttime. You ever been through a body of water and God's taking you through a spiritual journey and you're going through the body of water and it feels like there's thunder and lightning and everything is coming around you? So this is where the Israelites are on their first step to freedom. Goes on to say, your thunder roared from the whirlwind. The, li the lightning lit up. Did you just look at this text? This is Tampa at its finest. The, the lightning lit up the world. The earth trembled and shook. It says, your road led through the sea, your pathway through the mighty waters, a pathway no one knew was there. God will take you through a pathway you never thought was possible. You led your people along the road like a flock of sheep with Moses and Aaron as the shepherds. God was asking for an enormous commitment from the Hebrews. I want you to imagine for a moment 
the trust required in this scenario. Holding your grandchild. Holding your child. Think about the children that you're having to grasp and hold on to saying, God's got us. I mean, just imagine having to go through this body of water. I'm telling you, you are so glad you were not elected to be one of those Hebrews. Your life, for real, come on, was on the line. We don't know how the depth of the water, some scholars believe it was somewhere around 10 feet deep. We know in a moment that it's going to be deep enough to Kill some horses and Egyptians, so it's deep enough to kill you. They were putting their life on the line and their children and grandchildren and families. You can imagine the scenario. Yet God is saying, trust me. Honesty. you have gotten to that water? Gosh, here comes the fire. Okay. Okay, you ready? You said bring the heat. Would you have gotten the water? I know, I know some of us want to be courageous and say, oh, yeah, yeah, Absolutely. We can't even give to the Lord in our finances. We don't even trust God with our money. How long do I need to wait to feel the heat? Like, I can feel it already, your faces. I feel it. I don't have to see it in the middle section. I just feel the callings, forgiveness. I mean, like, it's hard. It's not easy. I'm here to tell you that on your journey to freedom, God will send you through river crossings because he's trying to shape you. Be the message. And he's trying to rid the insecurity in you because he wants you to fully depend on him and not on yourself and not on your job and not on your profession. He's trying to chisel at the soul. He doesn't need your money. He doesn't need, he doesn't need you to forgive somebody for that person to go to heaven. He's trying to chisel at your soul. God, I need your strength. God, you're my provider. You're my protector. You're my shield. You're my God. You're my shepherd. Now I have you where I need you. Now you're ready. You needed a nation of people to be the message. So he sends them through this body of water. Incredible. And look what happens as a result. Verse 29, but the Israelites went through the sea on the dry ground with the wall of water on their right and their left. That day the Lord saved Israel from the hands of the Egyptians. And Israel saw the Egyptians lying dead on the shore. And when the Israelites saw the mighty hand of the Lord displayed against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord. Of course they did, because now things are really good. And they put their 
Come on, what do they put? Trust in him. Come on, church, say trust him. Tell your neighbor, trust him. Trust him. Don't trust somebody else. Trust him. It says, and trust in him. And then Moses, of course, the leader, his servant. Okay? God is showing the Hebrews, I can be trusted. So I can be trusted. God shouts from the heavens, I can be trusted. I want to teach this, and I want to use money as the example. This is not a money talk. This is just an example because when we talk about money, everybody gets it. It's like, okay, I've got my attention. You say money in church, and everybody pays attention. And some people are like, check out. Now, try to lean in, okay? This is just an example. That's all it is. All right, no special collection today. I'm not going somewhere with this. I'm just teaching this. Follow me. When God says, give to me first, what is he asking for? Your money? God does not need your money. What is he asking for? Trust. Do you trust me to be your provider? And then you answer it. That's it. Do you trust me? And, and there, again, there's so many things that we can unpack with that. It's not just about money. Come on. It's, no, it's so many things. Do you trust me to follow me? Do you trust me to do this? Do you trust me to pray first? Do you trust me to do this? I mean, gosh, so many things. We could talk about it. Do you trust me? That's the, that's the human heart condition issue right there. In, if it's it. I could preach on trust every Sunday. It would always apply. Because at the end of the day, it's just trust issues. You trust me, he cries to the Hebrews. Trust me. Trust me. That's his whole point. Don't trust the gods of Egypt. Trust me. So, responsibility number two, trust the Lord. That is your responsibility to freedom. Trust him. Hey, Lord, I'll trust you. I'll trust you. Go down that path. I won't do that thing. I won't marry that person. I'm not speaking prophetically to anybody in the room, by the way, so don't try to take my words. I'm like, you told me not to. No, I'm just, okay. I'm just saying, I'll trust you with my finances. I'll trust you with my heart. I'll trust you with my purpose. I'll trust you with my calling. I'll trust you with my life. I'll trust you with my family. I'll, I'll trust you. Just chiseling, trying to get the people to trust in him. Now imagine what it would have been like on the other side. Imagine the transformation that would have taken place. Frowns to smiles, uncertainty has changed to full trust. God is good. Woo, we came through. We made it. The Egyptians are dead. This is awesome. God is real. He is good. Things are great. Okay, in your context, because you weren't in the sea of body water and saw Egyptians dying, woo, the promotion came in, the money came in, things are great, life is good, kids are making A's, they made the deal, awesome, woo, everything is good. No health issues, no, everything is great, God is good. Praising him on the mountaintop. Yeah, read Exodus 16, not yet though, okay. Everything changes again. But in this moment... Everything is great. Life is awesome. God is good. We trust him. Look what happens. Exodus 15. Watch what happens on the backside. Third responsibility. It says, then Moses and the Israelites sang this song to the Lord. 
I will sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted. Both horse and driver he has hurled into the sea. What a glorious song. Can we just sing that together today? I want to invite the band forward. Band, come forward. We're going to sing. <laughs> band can't come forward, yes. And some of you, are we really going to sing this? And watch this. I will sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted. Both the horse and the driver he hurled into the sea. <laughs> it's a jacked up song. Come on. Right? Like, who wrote this? Anyways, this says, the Lord is my strength and my defense. He has become my salvation. He is, look at, look at the text. Come on. He is my God. He is my God. He is my God. When they started the journey, they didn't even have a God to cry to. Now they're saying, my God. He is my God. I will praise him. I will praise him, my Father's God. I will exalt him. Verse 11, now I love this line. Look what he says. Look what the writer of the song writes. God put the lyric in. He puts the lyric in. The lyric is, who among the gods is like you? You can take the TV if you need to. Who who among the gods is like you, Lord? Who is like you? Majestic in holiness, awesome in glory, working wonders. Verse 18 sums it all up. The Lord reigns forever and ever, ever. Responsibility number three on your journey to freedom. Praise the Lord. We have a responsibility to praise the Lord. Praise brings about freedom. All through scripture, you see this. And you can imagine for just a moment the Israelites on the other side of this river praising the Lord. The Lord reigns forever and ever and ever. And I love this next. Watch what happens next, especially all the ladies. Ladies, ladies, look at the text. Look at this. Verse 19. When Pharaoh's horses and chariots and horsemen went into the sea, the Lord brought the waters of the sea back over them. But the Israelites walked through the sea on dry ground. Then Miriam. Come on, ladies, look at this. Then Miriam, the prophet, Aaron's sister, took a tremble. That's a tambourine. Praise God for no more tambourines in the house of God, but let's move on. (laughs) I'm just joking. Took a tremble in her hand, and all the women followed her with trembles and dancing. Miriam sang to them, sing to the Lord. Some lady in the church just said, let's sing. Let's sing to the Lord. He is highly exalted. Both horse and driver he has hurled into the sea. I want you to just pause with this. I'm just going to reflect on this in just a moment, okay, Andrews? I asked Andrews if you would just sing a piece of this. It's called the Song of Moses. Just this, this one piece. You just stay seated. Stay where you are. I just want you to think about singing this song on the other side of the sea. So I was going to ask Andrews if he would uh, go ahead and sing a little bit of it. You just stay seated. I'll be right back. Just, just a minute. Sorry. 
Revelation 15 says there's a vision that is given to the author and points to the future times in the heavens. In Revelation 15, it says that the song that's being sung in heaven is the song of Moses. Get used to singing that song. Because in eternity, there will be men and women singing and dancing. The Lord shall reign forever and ever and ever and it's a picture and I just gave you the picture of what he's pointing back to he's pointing back to the moment that God began to set on a journey to redeem humanity and to free his people but in order to do so he had to put them up against a sea and he had to teach them about who he was and they had some responsibilities. They had to follow, they had to trust, and then they had to praise. And the same is true for us. Whenever you go into a journey to freedom, that is defining who you are, who God has called you to be, it's going to require you to follow, trust, and to praise. And so these people come in singing and dancing, and I came with a question to ask you, I just want to think about the word dancing for just a minute. I'm not going to ask you all to dance. But I will ask you to do this. I came here to tell you something. It's time to get excited about Jesus. Like excited. You can get excited. And the question I felt so compelled in my heart. And I wrote it down this way. So if you're a parent, this is for you. If you're not a parent, maybe it's not for you yet. But if you are a parent, this is for you. A grandparent, an aunt, an uncle. Anybody that has children related to them. I want, you, I want to ask you a question. Do you live in a way that your kids see you excited about your God? 
do they see you dancing? Now, I'm not saying you have to go and dance in your house. You can. But you can dance with your face, too. Did you know your face dances? Because you talk about God all the time, but it looks like you don't like Him too much. I mean, I'm saying, you've been around Christians where they look sad and depressed all the time, but like, follow my God, He's good. Just say, come on, the kids know that you're excited about God. Do they know he can be trusted? He can be trusted. He can be trusted. He can be trusted. Come on, let's praise him. Would you stand to your feet? Come on, let's praise him. You don't have to sing a song. Just, just praise him. Just praise Him. Come on, stand up. Just praise Him. Jesus, you're good. You're good. You're good. He's good. You're worthy of it all. Jesus. For from you are all things. To you are all you deserve the glory Stay standing. Stay standing. What river is God asking you to cross? He's going to ask you to cross a river. 
And gosh, you think about approaching that relationship and having that conversation and it is a scary river. Trust him. Maybe the river, you know, I don't even want to mention finances again because God says so many things. I don't know what your river is. Calling, purpose, uh, leading. I mean, so many things. Marriage, whatever. Like there's a river. Humility. God wants to chisel out pride. Come on. He wants to take out pride. Come on. You think you know it all. No, you don't. Come on. You don't know it all. Be free. Just turn to your spouse right now and just free them. Say, you don't know it all. Come on, ladies. Tell them. Set them free. Come on. We need some free men in this church today. You do not know it all. Anybody? Did that free somebody just now? You don't know it all. You don't know it all. Free them. Ladies, free your husbands. If, if, if you're married, tell them, tell them, free them, free them, free them. Getting, people getting free today. I, can, I told you this series on freedom. Free him right now. Say, you're not perfect. Now watch this and then tell him, and I don't expect you to be. Come on, tell him, free him. Okay, guys, now's your time to return the favor. I know that felt good. But turn, if you're married, tell her, tell her, tell her, tell her. You're not perfect. And then say, but you're close. If you said, I don't expect you to be, I was trying to help you. If you're, if you're a teenager in the room, young people, tell your parents, you're not perfect. And I don't expect you to be. Come on. Come on. And then give them a hug, you know. Like just, here's the point. I don't know what river God's going to have you cross. Maybe it's a conversation. Maybe it's an addiction. Maybe it's a a problem that you have. And maybe it's an area of finances. Maybe it is something else. Maybe it's getting involved. I don't know what it is. It will require you to cross the river. But the reason for the river is so that you can learn that God can be trusted. And then when you cross one river, how many of you know another river is coming next? And then another river. Talk to any seasoned Christian, they'll tell you it's just a series of rivers. Anybody want to follow Jesus now? It's just chiseling so that we could be the message to the world of who Christ is. You are not called to tell people the message. You're called to be the message to the world. Anybody can say it. It's a whole other thing to live it. Any church can say it. It's a whole other thing that when people show up to Brave Church, they experience it. And I pray in this house of God, in this local body called Brave Church, that we would be the message in community. That we would love each other the way that Christ loves humanity. That we would be so generous, it would display God's generosity. Amen that we would worship him the way we worship in heaven. I came to set our church free. We can worship him now like we're in heaven already. We don't have to wait. We don't have to wait. We don't have to wait. So in our church, man, if you want to dance, let me set you free today. Dance in Jesus' name. Just don't get weird, okay? No, no weird dancing. No tambourines. Uh, 
Okay, bring the tambourine, my goodness, Miriam. No. <laughs> Shoot. But know how to play it. Yeah, we had to, we'll have to pump the music really loud over your tambourines. Man, I'm not trying to go weird. I'm just saying we want people freedom to dance. We want free to kneel. I just, I just want to be a church where people can feel free to kneel. That's it. I want to, I want to be in a church too where you can be free not to say anything. Just sit in the presence of God and be still. I was telling somebody earlier, some of those God-fearing people I've ever met in my life, you can't get them to sing for anything, but these people are fully devoted to Jesus, like 100%. So I just want our church to be free to worship. That's the point. Amen. All right, we're almost dismissed. I promise you can have a seat just to get out of here. We'll have you sign some cards. Uh, on your bottom of your notes, it says, the will of God will never lead you where the power of God cannot enable you. The will of God will never lead you where the power of God will not enable you. If you need to take that, take a picture of that one because that one's for you, take it. Today on your way out, we have group signups happening and I would love for you to be a part of a group. I think it's the most important decision you could ever make in regards to your journey with God. Get involved in a group and at Brave Church, people ask what they're called. Are they called life groups, growth groups, community groups, big group, small group, whatever, what do you call them here? And at Brave Church, what do we call them? Come on church, I told you last week, groups. <laughs> they're just groups, all right? They're just groups. Uh, so be part of a group. There's, there's all kinds of groups back there. And so I encourage you to take a minute and just, you know, sign up. And let me say this to you. If you can't show up every single week to a group, that's okay. That's okay. Even if you just show up twice, just get connected. It's the best way that you can get connected to our church, be taken care of. I want you all to be taken care of. And I cannot take care of all of you, and our staff can't. And so it's, it's, it's where we share the load in the church. And so I would love for you to get taken care of and get prayed for and get discipled and trained up and equipped. And when you need help, you have somebody to call up. So just put your name on someone's uh, list and group and uh, be a part of that group the best that you can. Amen. Hey, on your, in your pouches, there's a blue card that says Brave Steps on it. I encourage you to take that card out. Today, you want to follow Jesus. And underneath it, it says, we're going to walk through that journey with you. Here at Brave Church, we don't just do sign on a card and then you never hear from us. We actually walk you through the journey of what it means to follow Jesus. We just want to talk with you about it. We know it's not typically just a one-stop conversation. We just want to walk you through that journey. So if today you want to follow Jesus, turn in that Brave Steps card. You want to get baptized. Uh, you want to join a group. You want to serve with one of our serve teams. It's time for you to get involved. Check off that box on the Brave Steps card and then drop that in one of our give bins or hand it to one of our serve team members on the way out. We pray for you and then we'll be dismissed. Jesus, we love you. We have come to glorify you today. And over the past one hour and 22 minutes, the only words that come to my mind are, you are well worth it. Oh, how we could sit in your presence when we're in your presence for the rest of our lives, Lord. So good to be in your presence and in the house with your people. And Lord, today I pray that where there was encouragement, let there be encouragement. Where there was correction, let there be correction. Where there was guidance, let there be guidance. Where you gave words of knowledge to somebody, let there be words of knowledge. Father, it's all in love, Jesus. And let every word that was sown into the hearts of your people fall on good soil. We re renounce any attack where Satan would come to steal that seed away. God may be planted 
may be protected and watched over by your spirit. The same spirit that led the Israelites through the Red Sea. May that be the spirit that guides your people today. And so Jesus, I ask you to bless your people with your presence, to be above them and beneath them and around them. Make your face shine upon them. May you comfort them. May they come to know you as their shepherd, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for your gospel. Thank you, Jesus, for the cross. Thank you, Jesus, for overcoming the grave that we could have eternal life and follow you. And so, Jesus, we give you the glory, the praise, and the honor. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Jesus, so good. Hey, uh, I just was thinking, we, we have uh, the 10 acres of land that we're under contract on. I've not updated you on that. I'm so sorry. Um, I know some of you have asked. Uh, this Tuesday, we have a, a county meeting. So if you can pray for that, that is a meeting between us and the county. We're going to show them our site plans, and, um, and then we'll see if they say yes or no. So uh, be praying for that. That's on Tuesday. And then once we hear from the county, uh, then we'll certainly let you know what the next steps are. And some of you are like, what are you talking about? We're under 10 acres of land. I'm under contract on that. Just about five minutes from here in Odessa. And, um, and so it's on Altmont Road. Uh, the way you, if you're like, well, now I've got to tell you where it is. But if you come out on 54, take a right, go underneath the Veterans Expressway. And then after the big orange restaurant with a white sign that starts with an H and ends with an S. Um, and it's where you watch football games and eat wings. If you go past that restaurant, there's a street called Altmont on your left, and it's about a quarter mile down on your right-hand side. There's a wide open piece of property there. That's the one we're talking about. All right, so you're dismissed. I love you, I love you, I love you. God bless you, we'll see you.